How's everybody doing? Good? It's good to see everybody out today. Got a lot of cool stuff coming up. A lot of cool things planned for Bethesda coming up. It's going to be really, really awesome. Looking forward to everything and all the summer events and things like that and the kayaking groups. I'm looking forward because Cindy's going to have a huge group. I know it. I just I can feel it. And so I'm just excited for you guys to go on kayaking and everything. It's going to be an awesome, awesome time. Um, I hope that you guys had a really good week this week. I hope that you had an even better Easter Sunday with your family and friends. Um, like Leslie said, it was a record attendance, and um, it was really, really cool. You guys showed up, showed out, invited all your friends, family, and we just, it was packed out. It was really cool. Um, the coolest moment of last week, however, was it was here at the Kentucky Heights campus. There was a, a family member had pulled in, and the person who invited them just like broke down into tears. They were just so happy and elated that that person came. They invited them and they came. And it was just an awesome moment to get to see like, oh my God, you know, they came and they were so happy. And I was like, man, that really encouraged me to want to like pursue that feeling, that emotion of, of when I invite somebody and they come. And it's just an awesome feeling. And until you've done that, until you've invited someone that you love, a friend, a family member, and had them sitting beside you during the service, whether they make an awesome decision to follow Jesus or not, it's just an over-the-moon feeling, like, yes, they finally came, like, I got them here, you know? And it's even easier to ask them to come back, like, hey, come back the next time, come back the next time. So I hope that we'll all take that and just continue to pursue that feeling of when we get a friend or family member to come. That's, that's an amazing thing. And it really encouraged me, and I just wanted to share that with you. I didn't know if anybody else noticed that last week or not, but I got to see that firsthand. We are going to be jumping into a new sermon series entitled Expense, the Cost of a Life Worth Living. And sometimes to have a life worth living, you have to pay a price. You have to do things extra. You have to be disciplined. You have to work hard and make a life that's worth living. And so we're going to look at Daniel, and we're going to be going through the book of Daniel and looking um, at six attributes that I'm going to pull out of there and traits that I think will help each of us lead a life that's worth living. And we'll take each week, and we'll spend that week looking into that attribute. Daniel is an awesome, awesome person. And as we go through the book of Daniel, I hope and I encourage you to go home and read through the chapters. Look at each chapter that we go through that Sunday and just reread it. I was telling them at Vanceburg this morning that we went last night and watched Avengers Endgame, and that's a really great movie. So if you're planning on go watch it, go watch it. I won't give any spoiler alerts or anything, but it's a three-hour movie, okay? And in three hours, there's a lot going on. So I'm going to have to rewatch that movie because there's just too much happening. You're going to have to see it twice to, to get every aspect of it. And that's the same way with the Bible. A lot of times we read it just once, we get a little bit from it, and then if you read it again, you'll find, wow, I missed this, I missed that. This didn't jump out to me. Maybe you're going through something in your life, and this particular scripture speaks to that aspect of your life. You just never know what you're going to get out. So I encourage you, go home this week and reread through. We're going to read chapter 1 today. Reread it and then just look at it, study it, and learn from it because God will speak to you in those moments, and it's a beautiful thing. And Daniel is someone who I try to model my life after because he is a man who comes from being a prisoner of war at the age of 16, 
and he gets promoted, 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 and promoted throughout his life, and he ends up being the second in command. The only person in charge of him is the actual king, emperor, and he actually goes through like two or three or four different administrations throughout his lifetime, and each one of those administrations get rid of the rest of the group, but they keep Daniel because he's so awesome and he's so disciplined. And so he's a person that I want to live my life after. I want to model my life after him. I want to be promoted. I want to have success in my future, and I want to have success in my life. That's what I want for myself. I hope that you want that for yourself as well, and I think deep down we all do want to be successful. We want to have a life that's worth living. So I want to live like Daniel. And if you really want to see God do amazing things in your life, if you want to see him working through you, doing things for you, like getting ahead, then you will take these attributes, you will take these things, these traits, and you will apply them to your life. So we'll go ahead, we'll read through um, Daniel chapter 1. If you guys have your Bibles with you today, um, we're going to read the whole the whole thing. It takes a minute, but there's so many good things in there, like I said, that you're really going to think is really cool. So we'll go ahead and look at that. I'm reading from the NLT version. All right, here we go. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some, sort, um, some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah royal family, and other noble families who have been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would be entered into the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff remained... Oh, lost my spot. I'm sorry. I accidentally hit the... Uh, there's a button that changes the chapter, and I hit that button with my thumb, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> Looking at that, all right. And so the chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now, God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel, but he responded, I am afraid of my lord the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths of your age, I am afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look over Daniel. 
Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for ten days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the ten days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, Daniel and his friends and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to the king Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any other of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. There's a lot there, I know. It's a ton. There's a lot to read, and there's a lot going on. We'll pray, and we'll jump into some of it, okay? So, Father God, thank you for uh, this awesome day. God, thank you for the story in the book of Daniel. God, we just ask that you would speak to us today. Allow your Holy Spirit to dwell in this place and just speak to each one of us individually, God. Let us all hear a message from you directly today. God, I just pray that something would change and something would uh, spark and allow us to really want to live a life that's like Daniel's, a life of discipline and a life that is worth living. Help us, God, and, and change us and use us. In your name we pray. Amen. Daniel is a man of discipline. And that, that's the attribute I want to highlight today is the, high, is the attribute of discipline. In, in our lives, we have to have great discipline. And he, Daniel, is a man who has this discipline. And it's showed throughout this entire chapter, I think. But it really jumps out to me in the form of him not eating the king's food. How many here, by a show of hands, has ever went on a diet? Anybody? Anybody went on a diet? Yeah, most of us have been on a diet at some point. Even if, like, some people are, like, super skinny, and they have to go on a diet of eating more food, that way they can maintain weight or gain a little bit of extra weight. Like, that, there's two sides of the coin there. Uh, that's never been my issue, though. You know, I've always had to go the other way. But, you know, there are, I have a friend who has the issue. What a terrible issue, right, right, Josiah, to have? I feel like you're probably one of those people. You have to eat, like, 500 pizzas. Whatever, dude. Whatever. All right, so anyway, <laughs> Daniel is a man who has this discipline. So he's looking. So if you've been on a diet, you know what it's like. Like, there's always a better time to go on a diet. Easter, you can't go on a diet right now. There's still Easter candy left. Like, there's still Reese eggs out there to be ate, all right? You can't, you can't go on a diet because, you, and you can't, like, throw them away because then you feel bad because there's starving people out there, and then they're like, you're throwing candy away, so I have to, I have to eat the candy or I'm a bad person. So th there's always an excuse. There's always a reason that you can move forward and, and just not do your diet. There's always a better date. You know, oh, it's cousin so-and-so's birthday. I want to eat cake, so I can't go on a diet yet. Like, you, you just can't do that. So there's always a better time. And if you've gone on a diet and maybe your significant other hasn't gone on a diet and you're just eating vegetables and they're eating little Debbies and you're like, 
give me the Debbies, all right? I got to have the Debbies. And so, th- I mean, that's the way I would do things. So, but <laughs> anyway, neither here nor there. All right, let's, let's not get talking about Debbies because I can go on a 30-hour sermon on that. But anyway, so um, Daniel, looking at the king's food, you know this is good food. It's not going to be second-rate food because it's coming straight from the king's kitchens. Like, it's not going to be second-rate. He's going to have the good stuff, like the great sweets and the great, all these different things. He's going to have all the great things. So Daniel is looking at this food, and he's thinking, I'm a Jew. I can't, I can't defile myself. I can't do what my other people are doing. Because there's other people from his culture, from where he's from, from Judah, in the, uh, that are prisoners of war as well, and they're all eating the food. But Daniel decides, you know what, we're not going to do this. My group, we, we don't want to do this. We don't want to defile ourselves. And I was talking this morning, and I, and I got to thinking about Donna, who's sick today. Pray for her. But she has been able to lose like 48 pounds, and she lives with Greg Hall. And if you know Greg Hall, me and him have a lot in common. And one of those things is that we love to eat, and we like to try new foods, and, and we like sweets. And we just that's just one thing we have in common. We, we like the finer things, don't we, Greg? That's how it is. And so we, like last night, you should have seen the butter on the popcorn. That we, I mean, it was crazy. But anyway, that was a mistake. But anyway, <laughs> so we just love food. We love trying it. And somehow Donna has remained so disciplined and was able to lose like almost 50 pounds now. And she looks good and she feels better. And I don't know how she's done it, but that takes an amazing amount of discipline to be able to do something like that. And if you are a person who's been on a diet or worked out in the past, you know how hard that truly is especially when it's all around you, everywhere you look. So he does this. He, he remains disciplined. He does not defile himself. He, he says, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to eat the king's food. So how does he remain so disciplined? What does he have that we don't have? What is Daniel doing that we're not doing? What's going on here? How does he have that discipline? And in verse 8, I was looking, and it says that he asks for permission. He asks the guard for permission not to eat the food. And I found that very interesting because he handles it in a way that most of us in our day and age would not handle it. He wouldn't just remain calm, cool, collected. Like people today, if something doesn't go their way, what do they do? They have a a fit. They go crazy. They take to social media. Like the draft was this week, and the Giants took a quarterback, Daniel Jones, from Duke, and it was just a horrible decision. I'm a Giants fan, sorry. So anyway, but what an awful decision. I couldn't believe it. I was so mad. And then I get on, on Twitter, and I'm reading all the people that are just throwing a fit, you know, saying that the GM's an idiot, that he's stupid, he don't know what he's doing. And I'm like, I kind of agree, but, you know, but, man, this is really bad. Like, everybody is just freaking out over this situation. And I was like, man, how awful, you know. And Daniel doesn't have that reaction. He doesn't have those moments to where he just was like, ah, I can't believe I have to eat this food. I'm not going to eat this. And he doesn't throw the food back in the guard's face. No, he says, hey, man, is it okay if we don't defile ourselves? Is it okay if we, if we remain who we are and just eat vegetables? Is that, is that okay with you? He, he's not angry. He's not belligerent towards him. He's just saying, hey, is it okay? Is that, do you think that would be all right? And, and the guard says what? He's like, no, it's not all right. I mean, if it was up to me, maybe I would let you eat vegetables. I would let you eat what you want. That would be fine with me, but I'm over you guys. You guys are, are, you know, you're my crew. And if my crew looks sickly and pale and this guy's crew looks fat and, and strong and, and, and healthy, 
that I'm going to lose my job. Not only that, but I'm going to lose my life. And I can't have that. So, uh, no, you can't do that. You're not just going to eat vegetables. Sorry. So what does Daniel do? Does he get mad then? Does he get angry? Does he say, that's not fair? You're not hearing me out? Does he, does he, no, he doesn't do any of that. He remains calm. And instead, he comes up with a compromise. A compromise. Test us for 10 days. Just give us 10. Like, let me eat vegetables and let me eat the way I want to eat for 10 days. And after that 10-day period, if we look rough, if we look bad, we'll go back to eating your food. We'll do what you say. We'll do what you want. No questions asked. But if we look better, if we look healthier, then, then we can, then you can let us eat what we want. So he comes up with a compromise instead of getting angry. And I was looking and I was thinking, man, there's like four things you can highlight right here, four ways to make an appeal to somebody to have them let you do what you want or to let them not make you do something that you don't want to do. And there's four ways to make an appeal. And if you have to make an appeal to someone, then I recommend that you do these four things. Number one is develop a reputation for responsibility. Develop a reputation for responsibility. If you are a type of person who is irresponsible all the time, <laughs> if you're the type of person, if you're in your workplace and you just don't, you just do the bare minimum, status quo, everything's good, like I'm just going to show up, do my job, leave. You're, maybe you're not always on time. Maybe you're, you know, maybe you're just on time. You're never early. Like, you know, you're never, not very disciplined. And your boss asks you to do something that's against your moral code or your ethics. And you say, well, I can't do that. They're going to laugh you out of the place because all, you're not disciplined. You don't have, you don't work hard. You don't do nothing. You don't get good results. And now all of a sudden you have ethics and you have morals. Wrong answer. But if you're the type of person who comes in to work every day, who works hard, who's disciplined, who gets good results, who comes in early, who stays late, someone who is always responsible and you can count on, then if he asks you or she asks you to do something that you don't like or you can't do, and you say, listen, this is just, I can't do this. It goes against my moral code. It goes against my ethics. Then they may say, okay, I understand what you're saying. That makes sense. You are a person of discipline. That makes sense to me. Unless you have that reputation for responsibility, then you're not going to have your foot in the door to make an appeal to someone. Number two is be humble. Be humble, not belligerent, but be humble. And that's something that's really hard for us to do sometimes is to humble ourselves. Um, but Daniel does that. He realizes that he's not in a situation to where he can really make suggestions. He's a prisoner of war. <laughs> you don't have much influence there. So he realizes this. He knows that, okay, well, I don't really have much room to do much here. So what am I going to do? He stays humble. He says, listen, is it okay with you? Is it okay with you if we don't eat it? Can I, can I give you a suggestion? Would you take the suggestion? Can we, can we do a compromise? He stays humble. He doesn't demand anything. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't, you know, lash out. He doesn't do any of these things. But he stays calm and he stays humble. Number three, appeal to their goals and interests. Everybody wants to have their boss, their authority figure in their life, have them think they're doing a good job, right? Everybody wants that. We all want to feel like we're doing good. We all want that to happen. We all want to be, you know, that, that's just a, a natural feeling that we have. That's what we desire. We want to know that we're doing a good job. 
And so Daniel realizes this. He looks at the guard and says, the guard says, if I'm not doing a good job, I'm going to get killed. I'm getting beheaded. And Daniel sees that. And when he sees that, he comes up with a compromise that may just make the guard look really good. If he looks healthier, if, he, if, the kid, if, the, you know, if they're all looking better and healthy and good, and they're looking better than the rest of the other guys' crews, then that makes him look good as well. Daniel appeals to that side of him, that side that says, I need to make myself look good too. Maybe I'll get a promotion if my guys look better than these guys. Maybe the king will promote me to the court. Maybe I'll get out of this job, this dead-end job. Maybe, maybe I'll get promoted too, or, or, or maybe something will happen if I look good. And number four is trust God if they deny your appeal. Because sometimes you can do everything right. You can develop a reputation for responsibility. You can remain humble and not belligerent. And you can appeal to their interests and goals. And still, they say, no. And in those moments, we have to realize that God's plan for our life is so much better than what you think your plan is. Like, God's plan is on time. It's, it's, it's perfect. It's always there for you. He has it planned out for you. He's going to work things to your good. It may not seem like it at the time. So when those things happen and we still get a no, it's okay. God is still working in your life. Still remain disciplined. Still remain doing the things that you know is right and moving forward because it's important. It's, it's necessary. Living a disciplined life can seem very hard. And the reason that it seems so hard is that we don't typically see immediate results. And we're a generation of people who like to see results right now. We want to see things happening right now, in the moment. We do something, I know I'm terrible about it. Like I'll do like four curls with 20 pounds and then I'm flexing in the mirror like something just happened. Like look at that, that's a new line or something like that's a new vein popped out or something like I'm terrible about it. Albie's like just quit, quit. Get out of the mirror, idiot. I'm, I know, I'm just awful like that. Right? Yeah, it's bad. So anyway, that's me. I want immediate results. I want those instant gratifications. And it's so hard to be disciplined because if you decide today, I'm going to start working out, you're not going to see immediate results. You're not going to lose weight right now. But you will see slowly that you'll start to gain muscle definition. You'll start to get muscle memory. It won't, you won't be as sore the next week when you're working out. You'll see changes happening throughout and you'll you'll see future success if you begin reading a chapter a day of your bible every single day if you decide today i'm going to read a chapter a day for the rest of the year by the end of the year you will have read a ton of scripture you'll see that slowly you'll start to gain understanding and slowly you'll start to get closer to god and and you'll start to see things in the bible and you'll be able to understand what's happening and and you'll see slow results, but you're not going to see immediately. You're not going to be like, oh, well, this is, this is what they're saying. And you have all these, you're not going to, it's not going to happen instantly. It's going to take time. It takes discipline to keep doing it every single day. If you go to work tomorrow, or whenever you go back to work, if you decide, today, I'm going to work harder than ever. I'm going to work harder than everybody else. I'm going to do more. I'm going to show up early. I'm just going to be the best employee that I could possibly ever be. I promise you, you're not going to get promoted tomorrow. <laughs> it may not. Well, you might. I don't know. But you probably won't see an instant result. But I promise you that if you keep that discipline, if you do it every single day when you show up, 
you will see future success. It will happen. And if you remained disciplined, you have to remain disciplined. It's so hard because we don't see those immediate results. It's ridiculously hard. But when we live an undisciplined life, we see immediate results typically. Like when we eat the chocolate cake. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> like, that's a good time. And you get these immediate dopamine rush that just rushes through your veins. And you ate the cake, and it satisfies your sweet tooth, and you have this euphoric feeling. And it's amazing in the moment, but if you keep eating the chocolate cake 10 months from now, oh, man, I put on 20 pounds. What happened? Uh, what's happening? You, 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 oh, no. A if you stop reading your Bible today, if you don't have that discipline of reading your Bible every single day, it may not be immediately that you fall away from God. It may not be immediately. You, you might have like that immediate gratification of, wow, this is really cool. This is one less thing I have to worry about today. <laughs> you know, I didn't do it. Whatever. No big deal. I'll read it tomorrow. I'll put it off. It's just that instant gratification of, well, it's one less thing I have to worry about. But you'll see maybe 10 to 12 months or even six or three months later, maybe not even that long, maybe two weeks, you'll see that you've fallen away that you started to drift farther and farther from God, that you're not as close as you used to be, you'll see those future results aren't good. If you go to work tomorrow and you decide, I'm just going to do status quo things, I'm just going to work a little bit, just do what I need to do and go home, I'm not going to do extra, whatever, you may not get fired tomorrow, but six months from now you might. <laughs> you see, our instant gratification is a sign that typically it's probably not a good thing. <laughs> and that's not always the case. There are some things that you get instant gratification from. But one thing that I've learned is that usually the daily disciplined life forgoes instant gratification for future success. And the undisciplined life forgoes future success for instant gratification. If you want to live a successful, happy life, be a disciplined person. And if you want to have success in your life, be disciplined. If you don't, if you just want immediate gratification and you don't want future success, then live the undisciplined life. And we get to make that decision as, as a human race. We get to make that decision. I think God calls each of us to be disciplined in our lives. In our, in our work lives, in our personal lives, in our church life, I think God calls us to be a disciplined people. And it's stuff works. Like, living like Daniel, it actually does work. It's not just something that I'm preaching to you, that I'm saying to you. It, this stuff actually works. Amy, Amy knows that it works. Amy's been working out now for quite some time, and she's seen some really good results. Like, it works. When you have disciplines, and you, and you keep working, and you keep trying, you keep pushing, that stuff works. And, like, I was thinking every single job I've ever had, except for the exclusion of Walmart, I've been promoted within those jobs. Like, every job I've ever had, I get promoted. Because, and I'm not bragging on myself, I'm just saying that I live like Daniel. I try to be disciplined when I go to work. I, I work hard. I'm always looking to get better, to do things better, to be the best person that I could be, the best drug counselor that I could possibly be. I'm reading scholarly articles at least once a week, and, and, I, and I study those, and I'm constantly, like, nagging my boss, saying, hey, what can I do? How can I improve? What am I doing that I need to do better? Is there anything that I could do? And she's like, would you please get out of my office? You're driving me crazy. Like, just 
read a book. She told me, just go read a book because you're driving me nuts. <laughs> and I don't want to be annoying, but I just want to be so good. And I want to do so well in my life. And I want to get promoted. And I want to be someone who has influence. And I want to have that. And I think that's something that we all deeply, at the root of us, we want that. We, we want to be successful. And if we will model ourselves after Daniel, if we will have discipline in our lives, if we will allow ourselves to forego instant gratification and do those gritty things that just don't feel good in the moment but will have us being super successful in the future, man, that's what it's all about. And God wants that for us. He wants us to be successful. He wants you to be successful. And he wants you to have great success in your life. And I hope that we can all make a decision this morning that when we leave this church building, we will live a life of discipline, that we will move forward and want those things for our lives. So if you guys will stand with me today. And if everybody will close their eyes and, and bow their heads. I just want to give an opportunity, if you're here today and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, or maybe you're here today and you've maybe stopped following, I just want to give you an opportunity to just re-up this morning. If, if that's you and, you and you were saying, hey, I just, I just need to get back to Jesus, why don't you just go ahead and lift your hand. And I won't point you out. I won't call you out or anything like that, but awesome. Good. Thank you. And we'll all say a prayer together here in just a moment. Good. Thank you. Bless you for that hand. I see that. God sees that. And if you're here this morning and you want to be a person of discipline, you want to have discipline in your life, and you want to see great success, and you want to forgo instant gratification for that future success, and you want God to bless you like he does Daniel and get promotion after promotion and get your life blessing after blessing, if that's you this morning, then please go ahead and lift your hand if you want a more disciplined life. Awesome. Hands all over the place. Yes. Good. Good. And we'll say a prayer in just a moment. A prayer of salvation and a prayer that God will help us be more disciplined. If that was you, if you raised your hand, say a prayer like this in your heart to Jesus today. Uh, Father God, thank you for your son Jesus who died on a cross for me. God, I accept what he did for me. He took my sin and he took it to the grave, God. And I thank you for that. I thank you for that sacrifice. And I accept that and I make you the Lord of my life. And I want to live a life for you. God, help me to be more disciplined. Help me to be like Daniel. Someone who has discipline in his life and forgoes instant gratification for my future success. God, show me how. Show me what to do. Show me the steps to take, the disciplines to put in my life that I can begin to be more like you and be more like Daniel. I love you, Lord, and I thank you for your blessings in my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.